Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again, it is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network, episode 110. I am your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, uh, commanding officer of Region 13 and the USS Grand Petoskey uh, in Starfleet International. I am joined by my trusty cohort, my chief engineer, uh, game master of the Grand Petoskey. That would be Mr. Peter Stein. Peter, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you today? Doing all right. All right, good. Well, we've got uh, some actual news to talk about, which is cool because New York Comic Con is going on as we're uh, recording this, uh, or wrapping up today, rather. Uh, We're recording on a Sunday. You're potentially listening on a Monday, so this may or may not be news you've heard, but you're going to hear it from us. Um, But first and foremost, as always, we like to pay homage uh, to the great folks uh, over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Secret Friends Unite, people who do contribute uh, at various levels um, to making it possible uh, to doing bonus uh, recordings, bonus materials like the uh, right after Peter and I record this, we're going to do our second segment talking about uh, Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica, one of my favorite shows in the the Facts of Geek Life Patreon segments, and many of others that are done uh, kind of by our stars of the Secret Friends Unite Galaxy. So anyway, uh, there are a couple of different levels uh, to engage with. Uh, Please visit the website. You get a free one-week trial of any of those audio tiers so you can check us out. And if you like what you hear, definitely come back for more. Uh, On the Friends with Benefits level, uh, Corey in HD, John Sedorf, the great Phoenix Sisters cosplay, and Brendan Myers. BFF level has the awesome Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, and Andy Milliken. We are very grateful for your support. Again, patreon.com slash secret friends unite. Uh, try us out for a week. And if you like it, feel free to stick around. Um, so cool. All right, let's jump in. Uh, we're we're, we're a, a, usually a two-prong show, uh, two-segment show, but you, to this week we're, we're two and a half because uh, we've got some news, but we're also going to take, uh, take it home with the sh- uh, very short treks as well. Um, so first and foremost, the biggest headline uh, with Star Trek uh, in the last you know couple of weeks since we've been coming at you is that Star Trek Prodigy has found a home and finally, finally in the it, to me the most unlikely of places uh, slash the most likely of places. Uh, it's going to be over on Netflix actually starting uh, in 2024, uh, where they're going to uh, oh excuse me the first season which you know was released over the last year will be available on netflix before the end of 2023 and season two which was never released by paramount plus uh will be there in 2024 and that will be the next original content that we have to talk about on the show because boy once we're done with uh talking about star trek lower decks which we will be uh in this uh episode and then also going through through the next couple of episodes we're, we're, we're out of stuff so peter we're gonna have to come up with some content uh for the front oh, end no. of the show so i've got some ideas we'll certainly be brainstorming on it you know because the second part of the show we talk about classic content uh so we got to forget some 
something to figure out. So anyway, it has been about four months, obviously, since Paramount Plus and a delightful cost-cutting measure uh, in the chaotic world of, of streaming uh, that Star Trek Prodigy was removed, uh, still available for purchase digitally, which I went out and did. And it was a rare occurrence where I kind of I kind of got more than I, I thought I paid for. I went in and on Fandango Voodoo, I purchased uh, the first half of the season, which was available at that time. And then at a later time when I went back, and I have not rewatched it, I, I'll be honest, when I went back to um, check it out again, the back half was there. And I paid 20 bucks for it. Um, so essentially, okay. two, yeah, $2 an episode instead of $4 an episode. Uh, so it was pretty, my, my, my math might have been bad on that. But anyway, you, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, this is cool. So, Peter, you know, we, we talked, you, you and, uh, and I and Kay and probably some other people in the network talked about Prodigy when it was on. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts about it being on Netflix? Um, I was a little surprised that it was Netflix picking it up. Yeah, simply same. because simply because of the relationship between Paramount, well, CBS at the time, and right? Netflix, how there's been a lot of talk of CBS kind of, you know, tossing the burden of cost of stuff over to Netflix for Discovery seasons one and two, and they weren't happy about that. Yeah, um, yeah, true, true, true. So I was a little surprised, but at the same time, this is a way for Netflix to be like, "Hey, now we got your stuff." <laughs> yeah, right. So, well, so there is, there's something yeah. there. Um, but I'm also happy that Netflix has it because, you know, it's somewhere we can see it. And Netflix right. is one of those platforms that um, is pretty accessible by almost anyone. So you'll at least have and doesn't. I don't know. It's. It's it's good that it's there. <laughs> that's that's, that's really what it boils down to. That, that's true, you know. And, and I'm I'm kind of uh, the same mind about it. You know, it's great that it's not only somewhere, but I think it's helpful to the franchise it's helpful and hurtful to the franchise as a whole to have it on netflix because on the upside netflix is the original streamer i, I believe or at least it feels like if it's, it's not it feels like it is yeah. you know but it's the one that people are just like man everybody if you don't have it you have access to it and certainly with password restrictions more people are paying for it probably in the past it had been um and now this will be content that's kind of pushed out there uh for more people to see so it, it more eyes are going to land on it potentially then landed on it before which is good for the franchise uh but the bottom side of it is is that this should have never happened in the first place you know you you, you're taking a chunk out of out of star trek you know you uh, paramount viacom taking a chunk out of their biggest cash cow um is just has been mystifying to me it's been mystifying you know to fans over the last four months uh with oh with you know all just doesn't yeah make sense all all. of the, the the social media campaigning and again in the source article that we have um you know the uh, the the, the skywriter uh, or the, the 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 banner that flew over the the Netflix office in L.A. Uh, you know a couple of months ago you know hashtag save star save Star Trek Prodigy um, you know it, it's great to see that there's love out there you know it's great to see that we're going to see a continuation of that story whether that means that the story will continue to grow while Netflix owns it if they're going to fund another season Netflix is great at canceling stuff uh, so yeah. that also yeah that also makes me you know somewhat dubious what the future might mean. But for today, for now, 
you know, we can celebrate this victory. Right, and at least we're going to, yeah. we're going to at least get the season two that they finished. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So turn into like the lost missions of Clone Wars where you get it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, and Netflix was involved with that. So yeah, a great example. Um, but uh, yeah, but that's something cool uh, that we will be able uh, to bring to you. Yeah. When we wrap up um, talking about Star Trek Prodigy, you know, there's going to end up having to be some changes here in our program that we're going to have to find something else to chat about in segment one. Uh, but we will be bringing you something um because that's that's something that is just what we do okay moving on uh story number two uh as i had mentioned new york comic-con uh has concluded by the time you are listening to this it was uh uh this weekend in uh you know it was the 12th through the 15th of october uh and there was some star trek uh content there despite the fact that actors are uh obviously still honoring the sag after strike uh and uh you know they were obviously much like with uh, star trek Las Vegas, not talking about Star Trek directly, but uh, producer types like Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman did take the stage at the Star Trek Universe uh, panel and did talk about emerging projects uh, such as Michelle Yeoh and her Section 31 project, which is still alive. It was announced back in April. Um, and obviously, it's not something that Michelle Yeoh is able to talk about. Um, but he did mention that writers are engaged. They're back in their writing rooms in Section 31. Uh, television film is continuing uh, to be worked on, um, which is awesome. You know that is to me one of the one of the brighter spots of the first part of that first season of Prodigy, which I was not crazy about myself personally. Um, was Michelle Yeoh's portrayal of Mirror Giorgio and regular Giorgio, and then you know the vast contradictions in Section Thirty One uh, for what we had experienced it as it as it has kind of evolved backwards from its origins in DS Nine to Enterprise to to now um you know peter you and i are you know and again we have the benefit of not having big discovery fans in the room here but uh how are you feeling about this section 31 project i've never been a big proponent of it when i first heard about it i like section section 31 staying in the shadows and being used as a foil rather than being front and center yeah which Uh, yeah which is what discovery turned it into which it's like oh we're gonna do a movie about section 31 i don't want to have a movie about section 31 i just want to I just want them to show up, be irritating, and leave. Right? Yeah. I don't like, want them like, to be like, it's like Q or like the book of Boba Fett. You know, yeah, you love or like Boba that Fett. movie about Jabba the Hutt. Do I really yeah. want to see that? No, <laughs> no, I really don't. Could it oh. be interesting? Sure, but we don't need it. If you didn't catch our last episode of uh, Holocron Chronicles, which uh, Mark Carabin and I produce on this network, Peter uh, was our co-host last week, where we did talk about a uh, deleted uh, Guillermo del Toro picture uh, prospect of a Star Wars film starring Jabba the Hutt, which none of us were particularly excited about. But yeah, so, you know, this may come and go. um, But be thankful, at least, that it's a television movie project where it is. So if it's terrible... It's that, but if it's great, it's something you can enjoy. But regardless, it's something we can talk about on the show. It gives us it gives us something to commentate on. Um, so more exciting news: one of my favorite people in Star Trek, you know, in in the modern era, is Tawny Newsom. Uh, I've met her a couple of different times and conversed with her both on the cruise and in Star Trek Las Vegas, and she is just friggin' delightful person. Awesome stand-up comedian, uh, standout star uh, of uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, But she is part of the writer's room for the Star Trek Starfleet Academy show, which previously, you know, in hearing about it, uh, and this gives a little bit more confirmation or at least conversation around the fact that it will be set, you know, post you know, Star Trek Discovery, at least the current time frame, um, because, you know, we were we, when we learned about it several months ago when it broke, it was being told that 
You know, it's said after the Academy had been in idle for over a century, which tied in with the events of uh, seasons uh, three and four of Star Trek Discovery. Um, but uh, thinking about Tawny uh, being a part of it and, and this, you know, in this, this this writer's room starting to hum, I, it gives me a whole lot more excitement about it, um, knowing that she's part just because I love what she does so much. So I don't know your thoughts about uh, post-Discovery Academy. Um, I'm excited that Tawny's writing for it. <laughs> I'm in the same spot. I'm Outside same of that, spot. I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, to think. I, I just yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm overall, and again, we we don't have you know we don't have Missy, we don't have Kay here to you know to kind of be the people who really love and advocate Discovery to talk about it. Um, I'm more fond of Discovery since it took that hop forward and it, and it's in a different. Um, you know, it takes place in a different time frame. It's the ultimate, you know, future of Star Trek being in the, you know, 32nd century. But uh, overall, it's just, it's not my favorite Star Trek. So I, I don't, it, it, but, you know, one of my very favorite Star Treks is Lower Decks. And Tawny's a huge part of that. She's in a wonderful creative. And I'm just very excited to kind of see uh, what she does yeah. with anything. So I'm, I'm totally I just down. really hope that they don't lean into the teenage angst that a lot of people do when they do stuff in that particular age bracket right that it becomes very cwe yeah no i, yeah, I totally i don't want that it. it's like yeah starfleet's a little bit better than yeah that. yeah but exactly that's be- that's kind of my worry outside right. of other things I hear you. Uh, a couple of quick bits. Um, uh, the uh, the shooting uh, uh, for the third season of Strange New Worlds is continuing to shift, obviously, because of the strike. Uh, final season of Discovery still promised in 2024. Uh, there was uh, an early uh, stream of thought that it would grab the February time frame uh, that was occupied by Picard uh, earlier this year. But I don't know that this article is necessarily pinning this down. It does say early next year um so i'm going still be to march like it was yeah so. so yeah so i'm going to be a pin of it uh kurtzman's quote does say very satisfying ending and that sonequa martin green uh gave the performance of her life the, the thing that i think is that you know as much as i you know uh, love and respect and revere doug jones just because i have met him personally several times he's a close friend of missy's um sonequa martin green's uh acting uh, and overall presence on Star Trek Discovery has been one of my favorite things in the modern Star Trek era. I just find her to be a fantastic performer, uh, you know, and I've loved her stuff going back to The Walking Dead. She was a great character on that show as well. So um, first time I saw her was Once Upon a Time. Oh, okay. something something that I've never even watched. So how was she in that show? She was in like three episodes. She did a really good job. Yeah, I mean, so. she is, she's tremendous. I love her. Um, the other part of New York Comic Con was this thing with rapper musician Kid, Kid Cudi, it's it's totally off my radar. I know that they're just reaching to find something, anything, because actors aren't available to help promote, but I don't even really know what it was. They slapped a rapper in a Star Trek uniform. That That's all I got from it. I'm sorry. They did I don't know. that, and then they stuck him in Fortnite. Outside of that, I have no idea what's going I on. I got you, but you know what? I don't care about either of those things, so... <laughs> I hear you. You know, and he, he's getting... He Hopefully, he's getting a great paycheck out of it. Um, the IDW Star Trek comics, um, I actually nixed my subscription to the ongoing titles because they were just piling up in my digital shame pile. Um, so the only ones that I'm reading now is there's a Strange New Worlds limited series, 
series. And then there's a there's a Star Trek Picard Starfleet Academy miniseries that I'm reading because miniseries is about with all of the reading and content creation we do for this network and this Patreon. I just I, I don't have time for a lot of ongoing series. So um, so these those may sit there. I may come back and check back in. They were some of them are really quite good. You know, and Peter, I've shared images with you like, well, there's a Benjamin Cisco comes back and there's a post Star Trek Nemesis timeline where, you know, they're, the, you know, the, the you know, there's the, the Klingon gods and the, the prophets and they're having a God war and a lot of stuff going on, you know, trying to tell stories. But um, for the moment, soon, that's going to be Alexander and uh, Jake going some alternate dimension hopping with i think q's son and yes i i i saw something about that yeah it's the star trek sons so it'll be yeah alexander jake nog and uh q2 or uh, baby q i don't know what they call him q's actual son uh kiernan who uh i heard they did an interview with him on one of the star trek podcasts uh that i listened to and he has grown and he is uh He's a political analyst or something like he, he's left the world of acting altogether. Not that he was necessarily ever in it. So, hey, good, you know, good, good for him for uh, going, on to, going on to break out of the mold. So, OK, um, very quickly, because these shorts were very short and they were even shorter than the regular shorts, um, were the last two segments of the very short treks, which aired. Uh, I watched them on YouTube. I would assume that would be the easiest place to find them, but available from the, I believe, StarTrek.com website. Um, we have uh, holograms all the way down and walk, don't run. Two very silly segments. Uh, the holograms all the way down uh, pretty much covered a quickie holodeck program that was a window within a window within a window. So you had, you know, Trip watch Neelix watching Trip watching. Help me out here. Am I watching, watching yeah. the original series? Watch it was just, it was just they kept yeah. Stacking. And at the end, and at the end of it, they all become a big am- amphimorphic blob of of wondering. So again, very silly and and made zero sense. And again, as we quoted last time, uh, the series itself was portrayed as being anything but canon. Uh, I would totally yeah. agree. That's exactly what it is. And the last segment was um, was Tendi in a holodeck program with the t- uh, the animated series uh, Scotty and Mares and Eric's. So the two original characters that we saw from Star Trek, the original series, were the two of them. Um, and she was, you know, she was doing a holodeck program where she was paying homage to their series. And they were taking great umbrage to everything that she said. Um, but eventually, Riker and Sulu walk in. And it's just really weird to hear George Takei do Sulu now because he's so old and he has that old man voice that I just, I struggle with it where Jonathan Frakes being age obviously sounds older than he was, but I think really just still does sound like Riker. Uh, and obviously the Scotty portrayed there was not really Scotty and probably the same with the other two characters, but they end up breaking out into a weird little song, um, that I enjoyed very much. I thought it was, I thought it was really silly and fun, you know, putting, uh, putting love on your, on your duty roster. What is, I've forgotten the lyrics already. I found it more enjoyable than the strange new worlds musical i'll put it to you that way <laughs> because i just yeah, yeah the musical we, we talked about this and again uh feel free to at me on x at the c3 or at secret friends you or anywhere else on our socials but um both on secret friends unite and then also on this show when peter and i were talking um i enjoyed the strange new worlds musical as a star trek concept but i thought the songs were lacking um yeah, we talked yeah. about it offline because i wasn't on for that episode oh god it must have been jen and it was jen and myself yeah. and missy and i was the only one who was like great star trek concept yeah, if you I've had me there i would have been like johnny rain cloud 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I found this one, I guess, while I took the Strange New Worlds one as being as serious as a musical gets, this was completely satirical. And I enjoy, and the people were dancing. And it was just a straight up homage world of love for, um, for TAS, um, which TAS is, you know, we've talked about on the show a very long time ago with even other co-hosts, but TAS, a very mixed bag, did give us a couple of gems. Um, but again, it's a capsule in time, now 50 years old, which kept Star Trek alive complimentary with the fact that it was growing in popularity in syndication in the 1970s and that's what what led to its you know it's it's film revival which led to its television revival and that's where we are now so i thought this was cute and again you're bringing in elements um of lower decks and tendy who is just an absolutely delightful character so i i i thought these were the two best of the short tracks, in my opinion, these, I know were, the, these were the best ones out of all yeah. of them. That was so good. Yeah, I, I found both of them pretty amusing. Yeah, so good, good. Yeah, fin- finishing strong without a doubt. Okay, well, let's jump on into talking about lower decks. Um, and that was an unusually long news segment. We don't have a twenty-minute news segment, but Usually we had a lot of going on. Um, but what's nice talking about these half-hour episodes is that we don't, you know, we, we don't dig as deep as we do with a dramatic one-hour episode because not there's not as much to talk about. But Peter, why don't you go ahead and jump in with episode five of the season? All right, lower decks, season four, episode five, empathological fallacies. The hedonistic outlook of a Betazoid delegation infects the crew. Or does it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> First of all, kicking it right off, I do love that April and I watched both of these this morning. And a- April, when, when I know she likes something, she's like, we ought to do a cosplay of that. Three Betazoids in kind of cocktail dresses with those big, long... Um, like yeah, Bourbon Street. The, I don't know what those are called, but yeah, I, I'm, str- I'm I'm struggling because I've been. You, you see those on on Bourbon Street, in New Orleans, and I've not been in New Orleans in, in since pre Katrina. So we're talking. I went twice. I went for spring break in '98, and then I went work something work related in in the year 2000. Um, and it's just it's a big it's a big plastic party chugger like or whatever. The you know, the state fairs in Minnesota or other Yeah, places. and it's, yeah, it's a Slurpee or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but these, if they're filled with, you know, like, you know, gut bombs or super grenades or whatever, something that's like more alcohol than the human being should have. Um, but y- you have, this was um, an absolutely spectacular take on um, on Betazoids in general. Um, and then I, I, I loved, yeah, so you got the three Betazoid ambassadors uh dip basically uh on board they're they're you know they're they're three essentially middle-aged women or at least that was the vibe i got you could clearly tell they're up to nothing but trouble they're they're you know they're flirting with the captain uh they end up uh, in sick bay getting checked out and that's when you you learn that the, there's a relationship with the cation race and the uh betazoid race that cations used to hunt, hunt and eat them for sport <laughs> Only a couple of centuries ago. a little ago. weird, but... <laughs> it, it, yeah, it was... No, it was weird, but I enjoyed it. So, all right. So, that's the setup. So, what what's going on from there? Um, so, there's all sort... Everyone's emotions just start getting all out of whack. Right. And you have, like, everyone starts, like, either fighting each other or making out or doing right. all Whoops. these weird things. And it's, it's hilarious. The crew just, like, quickly starts losing its mind. <laughs> Right, um, right, yeah. But on <laughs> in the B roll, you have Boimler, who has been uh, basically kidnapped 
by security. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, the drum circle. Just, yeah, yeah. Where they're, they're like doing drums. They're doing slam poetry. They're doing like <laughs> a pu- like. There's just all this obnoxious stuff, and it's just hilarious because Boy was like, "I don't know what's going on. Like, what? What? Why am I here?" Um, eventually, you find out why, and it's it's actually it's it's another classic. Shacks is you know You're right. Papa Shacks. So yeah. it's Papa, just, Sha- Papa Shacks baby bear. Yeah. Um so great. so yeah, so these uh, yeah, these betazoids are they're they're bad, they're you know, their crazy uh wildness has kind of taken over the ship and they've got a mission. So they yeah. Think. They've got a yes, they've got a mission, they're they're hijacking the ship. Um and why, did, why they're headed towards the neutral zone. What are they what are they trying to do? I mean, it was just it was crazy. I don't exactly remember. I didn't rewatch this morning, so I don't remember yeah. the exact detail. But they were trying to do something, and they thought that the Federate that the Cerritos crew and the Federation were up to no good about something or other, and so they're going to go take it to the Romulans. Like, okay, right? Why? I know. Uh, that's that seemed a little random. The they're bit- trying to take them back to Beta Z, and the right. fastest way was cutting across the Romulan neutrals, oh, which led to one of my was. favorite bits of like, "Oh, they didn't cross. We'll go lurk somewhere else." <laughs> it's, just- it's it's funny because a that that's a chuckle, but b and I said this when we watched it, I'm like, the purpose of the neutral zone is that nobody's supposed to be in the neutral zone. So yep. if they would have crossed over the neutral zone and slammed into a Romulan ship, neither one of them were supposed to be there. But but anyway, it's one of yeah, those those cases. Is a, yeah, it's one of those cases that lower deck still gets it great, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense. But yeah, it's like, oh, let's go over to sector twelve. We'll lurk over there. <laughs> yeah, it's just hilarious. But then oh. you have like the eventually Shacks and security is able to yeah take out the Betazoids. But in the meantime, we find out that the emotional stuff is not because of um, the Betazoids. Which through the whole episode, I was like, this feels a lot like Deep Space Nine, right? Um, but it wasn't. You find out that it's in fact it's Talyn. Oh, right, projecting her telepathic distress uh, to the entire crew, which was fun. Yeah, you know, she's getting some nice character development. That's that's a character I really enjoyed. I liked when she first appeared in that one episode in the last season, and then yeah, now she's like at this point she's kind of my favorite character. Yeah, I I still love everybody else, but Talyn is just like I don't know. She's my favorite at this point. Oh my goodness! No, it's good stuff. Yeah, and I like, I like. Um, it's kind of funny because she's a provisional officer, so she has that little lodgings that that all the lo, little lodgings. What's the word I'm looking for? Lau, you know Lozenge, the little bar. Yeah. Thank you, the little bar on her neck that all the uh, Maquis officers and crew had on Voyager. So I kind of like the thought that if someone is part of another military within the federation that's non-starfleet that if they if they get the boot or or they can jump over and be like a be like a substitute teacher visiting kind of officer i think that that's kind yeah, of yeah cool. basically gotcha. office exchange program gotcha and the name of the episode is now we will go lurk over there yes <laughs> until, until that, we find that something line better just made me lose it it was yeah oh my gosh oh all right so okay so moving on uh any of any other thoughts before we move on to uh episode six not really other than i just really appreciate how they've been continuing this like papa bear thing with shacks it's just yeah good stuff i love it that sound you're hearing in the background one of peter siblings is playing with a uh chainsaw outside and let's hope that he's uh not doing anything nefarious and if he is what we friday the 13th was a couple days ago exactly the blood fever is gone uh so anyway episode six is parth ferengi's heart place 
Aww. The Cerritos visits the Ferengi homeworld with a prospect of the Ferengi joining the Federation. This is actually a very monumental episode, uh, and we'll tell you why. So, yeah, we're, we're going back to Ferenginar, uh, and our gang— we get to see outside for the first yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Glemoning rain. Uh, <laughs> we actually get to uh, our, our, all of our crew pull super fun duty. They, they're getting this um, kind of uh, diplomatic uh, immunity uh, tour guide deal um, where they uh, have to go down. And because Ferenginar is uh, in you know final negotiations to join the Federation, they need boots on the ground to get more acclimated with a lot of cultural stuff. So we get just a lot of fun little Easter eggs with the whole gang beaming down, but there's a nice little wrinkle, and of course Ransom sets it all up, uh, that because there's there's no married couple on the Cerritos who can um, take in married couple stuff on Ferenginar, that uh, Tendi and Rutherford have to pose as a married couple, and that... Ends up being the crux of what's the most fun about the episode, because while these two clearly have great chemistry, the chemistry is not romantic. And so when they try to pretend that, like, you know, they're a married couple, they're like, oh, they're they're doing fake married couple people talk. Uh, uh, Mariner sneaks in one of my favorite lines of the episode. Oh, Ferenginar, it's what Earth would look like if God was stupid. Oh, God, if God was stupid. I don't, you know what? I want to make that the title. I don't want to get in trouble for that. But I thought that was, I thought that was a great line. Um, but yeah, they have to beam down and uh, kind of uh, go through what, what was, what was, um, what was Boimler's time when they, they beamed down? Boimler, he says, was, Boimler was going to go do a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. Yeah. He had an itinerary. Yeah, because he gets sucked into Ferengi, Ferengi basic Ferengi cable. Daytime TV. <laughs> he's, awful. he's watching one about there's this cop landlord who's. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then, yeah. Absolutely. A soap opera called Pog and Dar Cop Landlords. I'm just I'm reading some of the summary here. Um, yeah, Mariner's hanging out with a Ferengi buddy of hers who you know kind of correctly met in season yeah. one. Oh, we did yes you know what i forgot about that I think, um, kind, I think it was season one yeah 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 that's what wasn't it wasn't that the big fake out where yeah because uh, it was yeah. i think it was season one because it was when they lost the the uh klingon and then gotcha the klingon ambassador and then the, yeah yeah, I'm pretty gotcha, sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy that was one of the very first episodes, as a matter of fact, I'm not The Klingon Ambassador was like. Generation. Yes. It was like episode like two or three. Um, but yeah, Mariner uh, is, you know, she's, you know, trying to talk through her or doesn't want to talk through whatever existential crisis she's dealing with with her Ferengi friend. Uh, we're seeing more shenanigans with uh, Tendi and with Rutherford trying to pretend uh, to be. Uh, a married couple, but one of the greatest bits was the guest cast of this was the wonderful Chase Masterson as Lita and Match Grodenchik as Rom, both of whom I've met because of being on the cruise and being at Vegas. Delightful people. Um, Chase Masterson is so great with the fans. She is someone who absolutely embraces um, well, doing yeah. shows and interacting with fans. She's, she's really great about she's it. Like a regular on Star Trek Online. She's yeah, she loves doing stuff for. Yeah, she she is a permanent fixture on the Star Trek cruise, just like Denise Crosby is as well. Like on every year, and just loves being there. So kind and so gracious. And um, but yeah, so the two of them are participating in like cutthroat negotiations. Yeah, aggressive negotiations without the lightsaber with uh with um the captain and. That that other that's not the other admiral. That's her husband, right? Because her her no, husband's in it. Yeah, this is Admiral Sensors, 
whose name oh, is escaping sense. me. <laughs> His name is escaping me, but it's that guy. Oh, Admiral Sensors is now the name of the episode. Good work, Peter. And so that was just, yeah, it was, I don't, you know what? I think I'm going to stick with We Will Lurk over there. That sounds better. Okay. Um, yeah, he was he was fantastic. Uh, no, I love it. So this this was a great ex- and then at the end they kind of outsmarted. They kind of out Ferengi the Ferengi, which is kind of a cliche because which is what of, Ram was yeah. looking for, which was perfect. Yeah, yeah. So that that was awesome. But it's very monumental that at the end of this Ferenginar, assuming that there's not some other shenanigans, is now actually a Federation planet. Yeah, they, they, at pretty the cool. So they at least have provisional status, which is really really quite cool and i love the fake out so they get all the way down to creating a thing they say yep you can have everything you want as long as you bring one planet to the federation and they're like oh my god that's gonna be easy like no 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 you need to read the fine print because we picked the planet and lita goes it's chronos the klingon homeworld there's no way oh well you know you guys signed it that's what you want that's what you want that's what you got to do so yeah you're right then they back out and rom says you know we needed to make sure that you guys weren't suckers that you were going to fall for our bonus. So just bring me the regular papers. I'll sign. So he does sign. And so they're, they're, uh, they're in. I love oh. it. So, yeah. So th- this was, this was fun. And it's funny. This was episode six and I've seen through episode eight. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be an, well, we have it because we're, we're, we're uh, an episode behind doing this. So episode seven has already been out. Episode eight will be coming out this week. So I'll be getting probably that screener probably pretty soon, but I'm assuming that something really gargantuan happens in episode nine and 10 that probably has to do with the ongoing plot line, um, yes. with the mystery ship. So I will, of course, I, while I will be aware of it, I will of course, keep my mouth shut and not to be a tattletale because that is not the way things work. Um, but, but yeah, great, great segment. And what I, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to even say, Oh God, this has been the best season of lower decks so far because I just, they, I just continue to pretty solid. Yeah. It's all been pretty. Yeah. And I think they've done, this has been the season. I think particularly since they all got promoted, I think they've done a lot more really powerful character building and I've really yeah, dug I, it. So. I think at least for me, it's, it's been good with the character development and the introduction yeah. to Lynn. So yeah, I think that's added, but, right. but like the rest of the seasons are great too. So. Yeah, yeah, that's just the thing about Lower Decks. It just started strong. We've been having fun with it, and uh, yeah, good, good stuff all around. So okay, all right. Well, moving right along. This is so easy when it's just the two of us. I don't have to trouble myself with intros and outros and all this different stuff. But we right. can move right into uh, segment two, which is the conclusion of our touch and go analysis of the fourth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. The final six episodes. Uh, pack a punch. Some very, oh, yeah. very heavy, serious episodes in the uh, in this segment. So um, I'll jump right in uh, with probably one of the heaviest of all time. And I, I, I can't even remember if this ended up in our challenge bracket um, for episode 100. Did, but maybe it didn't. Yeah, and uh, when we come back and do the bracket again, and I had mentioned this in our group chat not that long ago, it'll be uh, with either episode 150 or episode 200 by the time we get there. Um, if this one wasn't in there, it definitely will be because I, I want to roll with all new different episodes that go kind of head to head. And then perhaps we'll have a final challenge to see who from bracket one can defeat bracket two. It could be a special episode. Nice, long, detailed analysis. But anyway, episode 21 of the season is The Drumhead. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. This was when he was a newer director, still kind of getting his feet. Uh, written by the spectacular Jerry Taylor, co-creator of Star Trek Voyager. So you got some serious talent going into this episode. Uh, from April of 1991, a witch hunt. 
Uh, and so it's funny, we're going to talk about a witch hunt when we get to Battlestar as well. Uh, a witch hunt ensues for a suspected Romulan spy aboard the Enterprise. Guest star is Gene Simmons, who is in a show from the 1970s called Dark Shadows, which was later a film by Tim Burton, uh, is Rear Admiral Nora Satie. Wow. What can you say this about this episode? Is intense. This is, I would say, bit for bit, top 10 in all of Star Trek franchise, I would say. I think it would be hard to quantify um, more powerful performances, not only from Patrick Stewart, um, from other also members. Michael of the, Dorn. Yeah, yeah, other members of the cast. Michael Dorn, uh, who really finds himself in the middle, um, at first being a believer in what's going on, and then finally realizing kind of the folly of his ways once the once the evil is exposed. Um, and uh, from Frank Whalen, who plays the young enlisted crewman, great performance. Um, and then, and then you know, uh, Gene Simmons herself, a powerhouse of an actress, uh, someone. Mm-hmm very convinced of her own righteousness, uh, which is terrifying in any situation. Uh, That would be this, hey, uh, there's a situation, because what happens is, you know, we have a situation where we have a Klingon exchange officer who's complicit with Romulans. He smuggles something off of the ship. uh, And this, you know, during the course of this, are people obviously not knowing what's going early on. This special advisor, this retired admiral, who, by the way, exposed the, uh, the... conspiracy in the episode conspiracy uh with the little uh bluegills at the uh, end of season one it's a nice little throw in that i dug um they bring her out of retirement and she uh boy she doesn't even really solve anything because it's really it's no, yeah it there was more of it yeah <laughs> there, you know it came from you know in addition to this this klingon guy being a spy there was also an accident in engineering which turns out was a complete fluke not related but once you know nora satie's got blood in the water she's looking you know she's looking for trouble absolutely everywhere and looking for trouble generally they find it and all of a sudden everybody's a suspect so Mm -hmm. powerful stuff i really loved in the last act when you know picard gets up and gives his speech about uh, that and at the end of it you know she's retorting and this admiral uh this other guy that she called to witness it just goes man fuck this he gets room. up and leaves he's like you know i don't even listen to this stuff that was extremely powerful yeah i yeah. I, I i don't even know really what to say this is one of the absolute finest uh episodes of almost anything i've ever seen just top, top shelf. Um, I would put it nose to nose with, you know, the measure of man, which was voted by our panel uh, on that episode 100 as, as being the finest episode of all time. So your thoughts, yep. Peter. I mean, I don't know how much more I can say. It's, it's just a really good episode. The final ending is one of my favorites in star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I'm, I'm always a fan of having, scenes where you have characters reflect on what just happened and then it ends kind of in a contemplative way yeah Um, absolutely so for this one you have Worf go like how could i be deceived by her and then you have picard giving the line of like not all villains are walking around with twirling mustaches and all of this stuff sometimes they're hidden um and that's something i really like that particular line yeah um, and how that how that's delivered and what it's actually talking about um so it's there's just a lot of really good stuff in here. Picard's speech is one of the finest that he does. Um, 
I don't know if it's my most favorite because I really like his one in the first duty, but this one's mm-hmm. really, really good as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, top, top, top five speeches without a doubt. Top yeah. three. It's probably. just a fantastic episode. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Good stuff. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Okay. Next one is yours. Episode 22, Half a Life, directed by Les Landau, story by Ted Roberts and Peter Allen Fields, aired in May of 91. Oh, teleplay also by Peter Allen Fields. Oh, yeah. It came over the next page. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Loxana Troy finally finds love, but discovers her man must undergo ritualistic suicide. Damn it! Oh, no. Guest star David (laughs) Ogden steers as Dr. Timmison. Oh, and Peter, you have familiarity with the um, quintessential sitcom MASH? I assume you do. A little bit. I've seen David David Ogden Stiers was part of the replacement uh, cast transplant that happened in the later half of that series. Uh, he came on as the uh, to, as a replacement foil to um, Alan Alda's character, who is Hawkeye, and the oh. and he yeah David Ogden Sires played to be very serious other surgeons, so they used to foil to each other. So that's his. He great also he yeah. also plays in. Uh for anyone who's seen Stargate Atlantis, he plays a replicator villain in a later seasons. Oh, there you so, go. Gotcha. So he switches. He's a bad guy. In that yeah, one. he's good. He has range. He has. Yes. I once heard talk about random memories. I once heard, and I don't remember the context. It was a morning show uh, interview with him that was based in the Eastern time zone. So it was, you know, eight, nine o'clock where he got up at like four o'clock in the morning to do this interview. And you could tell he was super groggy, but what a professional. She's like, I you could tell that he had just like just rolled out of bed to pick up the phone to do this deal. So <laughs> weird things that pop up in That's my head, but that was one of them. Um, but yeah, what an exceptional episode doing, you know, doing what Star Trek does best taking, um, you know, taking something that is uh, held apart from the Federation and from Starfleet by the prime directive, you know, here you have a society that has very serious beliefs and the way that he outlines it, you know, the, the way that it works with this, uh, resolution, I believe they call it is that at some point in the society, in the, the society of this very insular planet, this very xenophobic planet that we know very little about, but we're called upon to do what's do what the Federation does best. You know, their son is dying. They have the scientist who needs to test out his, you know, rocket ship formula that he can shoot it into a sun and stabilize it. Ultimately, unfortunately that doesn't work out. Um, but the deal with this planet is, is that they decided a long time ago that uh, in order to, help out people who reach a certain age with infirmity and become a burden on their families. And that just did not fly on this planet that everyone would much like Logan's run, but at twice the age uh, would submit to a ritualistic suicide and kind of take themselves off the board. So they wouldn't necessarily be a burden to their friends and family. And Loxana, who falls in love with David Ogden Steyer's character, just can't fathom it and just can't fathom why she can't, get him to repent. Um, and the thing that really, you know, and, and for a while, this guy says, why well, I, I want asylum. Uh, I want to, uh, uh, live my life. And what kind of turns the, uh, clock on him is an appearance by his daughter, a very early appearance by Michelle Forbes, Ensign Rowe. This was her first Star Trek, first and only other Star Trek role that I'm aware of that happened about six, nine months before we met Ensign Rowe in the beginning of season five, uh, of TNG. Um, mm-hmm. very powerful turn, 
Thought it was absolutely fantastic episode. This was, again, this, this was during the period of the time when I was, uh, and again, most of the fourth season, I was not watching the show at all. I've mentioned, again, that I became a dyed-in-the-wool, watching-it-every-week uh, viewer of TNG in season five. Um, so I did not see this until, you know, uh, it was in, I think, the fall of 1992 when Star Trek, T- when TNG, the old syndication rules of something had to hit 100 episodes and then it could be sold into syndication. So it was then, and because the 100th episode, which we're going to talk about in a minute, aired at the end of 1991, uh, later in 92, it was then able to go into syndication. So I probably saw it at some point after that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, rock solid episode. And one of those great, you know, you can see it from both sides kind of mysteries. But, uh, you know, with the prime directive being, you know, non-interference. Very difficult for us to, you know, it, it puts you in the position where Starfleet is not allowed to judge. They can't judge um, the, the the strictures of another society. But um, yeah, it's, powerful this, stuff. This is one of the examples where I like to point out how about how older Star Trek likes to hold up the two example, the two sides of of a very tough issue, mm-hmm. um, and then doesn't. Uh, you definitely have characters who want to do a certain way or want or say it or do different things, but then they end up having to do something they don't want to do. Right. Um, and then it just kind of, it ends kind of bittersweetly. Yeah. Um, and okay. so like, this is, this is a pretty solid episode for that, regardless of how you think it ends. Um, it's, it's really, it really ends really well. I, I would yeah. say. Um, Most definitely. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, totally crushing it. Now, uh, okay, so beyond that, we're moving into the introduction of a new species uh, in the next episode. It's all yours. A very important one, yes. Yeah, so episode 23, The Host, directed by Marvin V. Rush, written by Michael Horvat, uh, aired May 11th of 91. Dr. Crusher falls in love with Odan, a peace negotiator, only to discover that he is... Atrial symbiont. When his original host dies, he is implanted into Riker temporarily and awkwardly to finish his negotiations. Super awkwardly. Uh, yeah, so this is a great case of, hey, here's a mysterious race that we later find out we've known about for a long time. But we yeah. don't know, but they also can't use the transporter. Uh, which ends up coming up in this episode because, again, Crusher falls in love uh, over the span of 10 days with this negotiator dude. He's a trill. Nobody knows that the trills are a joint species at this point, which we know is not the case because of Cisco and Curzon Dax, which took place prior to this. Well before this. Yeah. Well before this, exactly, because Cisco and Curzon Dax uh, met and became friends when Cisco was just out of Starfleet Academy, which would have happened at least – 10 or 15 years prior to that, probably almost closer to 20 years prior to this. Um, but regardless, you know what? It's a big galaxy and not everybody is going to know everything about everything. Um, because yeah, for all we know, the, 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 the two mind symbiote part thing could have been a closely guarded secret and secret. And this was the incident that exposed it. Who knows? I don't know. Cause we didn't really see the trill, um, w- with the exception of Discovery, and that that would be the season three, season four portion. We didn't see them going backwards. They didn't show up in in Enterprise or anything like that that I can think of. Nope. So you know, yeah, the trill. You know, so this could be maybe this was the thing that blew the lid off the trill conspiracy. You never know. Um, so yeah, you get uh, yeah this Odin. He's he's going to negotiate this uh, tense situation. Turns out his you know the guy who was his. 
uh, Odon's father was actually the same Trillsymbian inside of a different host. Yeah, so I feel like maybe nobody knew about it at all un- until now. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, it, it, it's even just two years later, you know, Cisco is one of the ones who knows, but maybe, you know, he had to keep the whole Trill thing on the down low. You know, Curzon was like, hey, I'm two people, but, you know, you just got to kind of keep it to yourself. You know, I got a slug living in me, but it's just not fit for consumption. I don't know. It's a, I, it's very speculative. I'm very curious about how or I why. Mean, it's, it's Since it's the first introduction of a species, there's a lot of stuff that gets retconned later. Like there's things with the Cardassians we first see them. There's things with the Ferengi when we first see them that are just yes, dropped by the wayside. So yeah. for me, it, when it's a first experience of a species and then things get established later, it's fine. You kind of lo- yeah, kind of loosen it because Peter and I are both very much canonistas. We love canon stuff, um, but yeah, I guess you got it. You got if there's some place to give some slack, this would would clearly be yeah. an occasion. Species introduction, I usually give a little bit of slack when you're coming in on a well established one. That's one where I'll give you shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, precisely. No, I I totally understand where you're coming from. So, uh, all right, so uh, yeah, so Odan, uh, the the host is critically injured. The the symbiote has to be removed, and it can be implanted into a human host but it's a little iffy because it gets put into Riker and he's you know he's not feeling so great but he still has feelings for Dr. Crusher and she resists Um, but eventually they hook up but you know I guess he wasn't feeling that sick that he couldn't still get down Uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, but at the end of it, he finishes the negotiations. Uh, the symbiote has to come out, and then the symbiote ends up. Uh, the, the new uh, host arrives, and it's a female. Very common in, in uh, trill parlance. But then we find out that you know, Crusher, she's just you know, she may be very hip, she may be very with things, but the you know, she's not bisexual. That's okay. It's totally okay that she's not bisexual. Not a big deal whatever you know it doesn't really push the envelope uh in the way that and actually in our very next episode we're tackling the first half of season four of deep space nine which i was just i was doing the flow document for today that one has the rejoin segment in it where you see jed zia dax and a female host reassociating and that was such a big fervor in the mid 90s people were like oh my god two women kissing which was one of the first and one of the more prominent occasions of that happening and in television of any kind at that point not not to put things too far ahead that didn't happen in this episode but um yeah i uh i don't know how i would feel in a situation like that you know if it was me and you know i was in love with the female and you took the slug out of her because she died and then you put it into a dude i also am not bisexual i think that that's it yeah i i think that that's just not at my level we know that there are many, many people in the world today that it wouldn't be a big issue at all and i'm totally down with that so i i i I'm cool with the way Bev handled it. She wasn't rude. She wasn't nasty. She just was saying, hey, this is just not for me. What else can you do, right? Yeah. So not much. <laughs> I, I think she handled it okay. Yeah, again, a, a decent introduction to a great concept in um, in Star Trek uh, that we'll see, which is you know infinite diversity and infinite combinations. So awesome. Any other thoughts about the episode? Not really. <laughs> It's it's a good one. So. Yeah, no no doubt. All right, twenty four is was that? Oh yeah, this next no, this is you. Well, there we I go. just yeah. did the, I did two in a row. So you did? How could you? 
It's so, what, what the hell difference does it make? 24 is the mind's eye. David Livingston directs. Story by Ken Schaefer and Renee Ichivaria. He's a regular. Also, he did the teleplay. May of 91. The oh my the plot line. Romulan's brainwashed Jordy to carry out a covert mission. In a nutshell. What, yeah. What is it about chief engineers? Or engineers in general in Starfleet that they are just rife to get into some bad shit. Let's do a quick rundown of what's happened to the red slash gold shirts in the history of Star Trek. Trip Tucker dies. Uh, Scotty dies, comes back to life. Also gets taken. <laughs> yeah. Also gets God bless. Also gets taken over by uh, Jack the Ripper. Kind of a bummer. Um, yeah. You get Jordy, a uh, bunch of bet, you know, gets stranded on a Romulan planet this episode. Uh, Miles O'Brien, don't even get me started. Uh, Belana Torres, Belana Torres kind of got by okay, and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, this was a, this was just, just, you know, can anything good ever happen to Jordy? So he's on his way to okay. rise up for a conference in a shuttle pod, which just blows my mind. A type 15 shuttle pod. So a one, flying a Pinto, a one seater. It's basically a smart car. You know what I mean? It's about the same because they've shown the <clears throat> shuttle pod as being a two seater. So at least you could have a buddy along. I don't know how you're using. You're taking a, a pee break if you need to. I'm sure there's some methodology. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he's taken this weird trip to Ryza in this, this you know, subwarp shuttle pod where it just seems like, and this is pointed out like the nitpicker's guide to Star Trek, it just really seems like the Enterprise could have zipped over there uh, if it was a, off and then like a six, yeah, three to six hour trip in a shuttle pod that they could have been there in like 15 minutes in the Enterprise, but then we wouldn't have had a story. So yeah, Romulans kidnap him, and this is when we get our first off-screen voice appearance of Denise Crosby is Sela, even though it was it was played by a standing actress. She's standing in the shadows. Very clearly her voice. It'll be uh, a couple episodes later that we do finally meet her. Sorry, but sorry to spoil the cliffhanger from 30 years ago. But uh, yeah, this is all based around uh, a, you know, there's a Klingon colony that's in revolt. And so a Klingon ambassador is there. And what's kind of cool is the colony that's in revolt uh, is Krios, which shows up next season because they're the ones that also have the perfect mate, which is Famica Johnson, one of my favorite episodes. Jean Grey and you know Professor X meet for the first time. Her and Picard, they're they're yeah. almost they're almost romance in that episode. But yeah, that's that's the same species. Um, but w- what this really is, Ambassador Kell is that dude's name. He is a Romulan sympathizer. He's working for the Duras, which we'll find out in another couple of episodes, are in bed with the Romulans trying to drive a wedge between the Klingon Romulan alliance. And because they can uh, brainwash Shorty and then beam signals into his visor and control his actions, they're going to use him to off this Klingon governor and then get him to say, well, I did it for, you know, Starfleet did it for Krios. We're all for them or whatever. And uh, yeah, through the miracle of our, you know, data, and, you know, being able to track things down, you know, they're able to stop it at the last moment um, and obviously, you know, quit him from from killing this ambassador. But um, I particularly found uh, a lot of relevance and strength in that last scene where he's talking through his brainwashed memories with Troy. And he's finally starting to accept that he was brainwashed, even though it's so hard for him um, to to do so. And Troy has this great speech. You know, it may take some time, a long time, but you will start to get your memories back. That's a great line. However, right in the next episode, he's totally fine. <laughs> that happens yeah. in TV. 
It's just the way it, it's it's part of the episodic nature of TNG. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, while this one uh, is is kind of filled with tropes, um, it's, again, a, a great, you know, some great performances by yeah, uh, LeVar Burton. Really good. Yeah. You know, LeVar Burton, of course, you know, Brent Spiner is, you know, Data and uh, Worf doing his, you know, Klingon sparring. Because at this point, he is still dishonored. So the uh, the Klingon uh, the Klingon ambassador tries to get under his skin at some point. Um, so, yeah, it was a, yeah, another great episode. Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. Don't have a whole lot to add there. <laughs> I know, man. Another like I episode. said, it's, it's, it's a pack of winners. So, all right, you jump into the next one while I take a snort here. Yeah, uh, episode 25, In Theory, directed by Patrick Stewart, um, written by Joe Minoski and Ronald E. Moore. Oh, winners, uh, winners. First, 1991. Uh, Data participates in a romantic relationship with a fellow crew member. Um, I think I watched this episode for the first time when I was going my watch through for this. Oh, really? Uh, okay, wow. So you ha- you have not even seen every episode of star trek there as i've been watching through there's been like apparently there were a few that i skipped Uh, yeah i mean it's not you know and i I don't mean to to throw shade because it's really difficult when you look at i mean hey great example if i go up to um even just these summaries of um of the lower decks episodes it gives you a uh, an episode count um we just tipped over 905 episodes of star trek so there are, we're on our way to 1000 episodes of star trek that exist so i think it's really really difficult for anybody to have seen them all so i, I, mean, I totally I'm get pretty it. sure i've seen them all at this point but this was just one of those that like i don't think i've seen this one all the way through right right, right. i read plenty about it in the encyclopedia but then watching it is a totally different experience yeah without a doubt so our our guest is her name is michelle scarabelli uh, and the two roles that I can think of her having done is that she was um, one of the main characters in the television adaptation of the early 90s sci-fi film Alien Nation, if you've ever seen it or heard of it. Heard uh, it was yeah, it was kind of a flash in the pan. Obviously, didn't make a big dent. And then she very briefly played um, Ma Kent or Martha Kent in the most recent Superman television series, the Superman and Lois, which was on the CW. And I, it may or may not be over now, but her main role in that was to be in the first episode, die and, and then die. So that Superman and Lois and their kids moved on to the Kent farm. So that was all she had going for. But again, somebody who's been in TV stuff forever and ever a day. So, um, so what did you think? It was, this was just kind of like, Oh, data's figuring out, you know, how to sweet talk a girl or whatever. And you never really figure out if they get down or not. It's funny because when he describes to the Borg queen, when the last time is he had relations, the time frame he gives kind of makes it sound like he got Tasha. with Tasha, but he did not sleep with this woman. So I guess it wasn't that serious. <laughs> I don't know. It was. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a couple 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 of uh, couple of good giggles in this one. I think this was the first directorial credit that Patrick Stewart ever had, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. um, but he was kind of following in you know in Frakes' footsteps. But I don't know that it's something that he's continued to really do. He's continued to act where Frakes kind of went in the other direction. So, um, you know, I mean, this one's okay. You know, it, it gives you a couple of good data moments. Um, yeah. I've met, I've met plenty of women like this woman before. They're like, I love an unemotional man, you know, probably mostly because I have daddy issues. Sorry. I know that that's throwing a big net, but, uh, it's something that I personally bumped into, but you know, 
men are like that too. So it's really, it's hard to pin it down to just being women, but yeah, a woman looking for something that's not there in a relationship with data. And at the end of it, he just said, Oh, well, are we broken up now? Yes. Well, I'll delete the appropriate files. Then he goes back to petting his cat. Data's good, man. Don't you wish it was that easy for any of us to recover from a breakup? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, no, the I mean, scene for me was the lovers lovers quarrel bit. That was just yeah. Bizarre. You're not my mother. <laughs> are are so we not program programmed for a lovers quarrel now? Um, so yeah, I thought it was okay. It was passable, um, but not not an episode. I would I would it say wasn't it was, my favorite. It was yeah. one of those like it was like. I can see why I didn't watch this one all the way through the first yeah. time. It was like, it just, yeah. And then, you know, you have a B plot with, you know, um, you know, uh, Nebula with it's causing Nebula with anomaly. This was the one where you had the, the, the engineer who fell halfway through the floor. Um, so you could be glad that in you see her halfway through and you're glad you're seeing the top half, not the bottom half. <laughs> Because it'd be pretty gross. Um, and yeah, Picard has to save the day. Maybe he had to save the day because he was directing the episode. But he, again, shows up in that stupid smart car out front. Starfleet smart car. That could be another name for this episode. Oh, um, yeah. But I'm still really set on the one we have. I think that's really good. I'll think about it uh, between now and the time I edit. Um, but anyway, all right. Moving on. Episode 100 of the series. Call it syndication time. Woo! one single balloon falls down uh but episode 26 of the season is redemption part one Mm -hmm. director is cliff bowl writer is the superb my guy ron d moore from june of 1991 uh oh i you know what i hate this stupid description it jumps right to the end Worf leaves the enterprise to find on behalf of gauron in the klingon civil war Okay, you know, just you know, give us give us a little panache in this summary. Kind of sucks. Yeah, um, it takes them a second to get over there. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is the second uh, big uh, season-ending cliffhanger. Um, mm-hmm. The stakes are the stakes are certainly nothing like you know the best of both worlds, the the Klingon two-parter, which is obviously what kicked off this season. But it's very important for Worf. So he is, uh, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you know, Picard's giving his introductory log. He's saying, well, we're going to the Klingon homeworld. I'm going to finish my job as arbiter of succession because Gowron's going to take over. And, you know, he steps to, you know, goes to Worf and Worf's practicing his calisthenics. And uh, Picard basically says, hey, now it, it, I think it's time for you to step up and talk to Gowron and get your get your honor back because this whole thing totally sucks. And he's like, well, Nah, I just don't. I just don't think so. And then Gowron shows up and challenges Worf, and Worf's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Here's the real deal. Um, you know, no, it wasn't me. It was Doris's father." And even uh, Gowron's like, "Well, you know, it might kind of be too much trouble to be this thing and that thing, but you took the rap for it, so be a Klingon." You know, it's like you you be my guy, and I think that sucks. I mean, I think that gives uh, overall credence to the fact uh, and. This is really touched on uh, really at the end of Deep Space Nine with Worf and then again with Gowron, ironically enough, that the Klingon High Council sucks. I mean, it's 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 as corrupt as any other governmental body has the capacity to be, you know, because you get filled with a bunch of people that are satisfying their own self-interest, lining their pockets, whatever it is. Or in the cl- case of Klingon, it's, you know, racking up uh, glory or wins or kills or whatever it is that they're after. Um and so they think they can behave with impunity and kind of get away with what the hell ever um, because it's, you know, it's like banks that are too big to fail. Um, and that's and that's kind of what this is. Um, but at the end of it, uh, you know, Worf 
because he kind of holds sway over his brother Kern, the fantastic Tony Todd, who we see again, um, because Worf is the elder brother, uh, they bring ships and uh, force to the banner of uh, Gauron versus Duras. We meet the Duras sisters in this, Lursa mm-hmm. and Bator. And we meet his Weasley little son, uh, Toral, who gets uh, he has another appearance in DS9, but is recast for that. Yeah. Uh, but boy, they found a great little Weasley little guy to basically be like a pipsqueak Klingon. I will show you honor. That guy sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was great. Uh, it, it was this was one of the finer segments uh, that we've seen in Worf's kind of emotional struggle that, you know, started in the sins of the father. Well, really in some, uh, in some parts back in, in season two with the emissary with Kalar um, and then moving into um, reunion earlier this season where Kalar is, is killed by Duras. Duras gets himself killed and, you know, we meet Worf's son uh, and then, it, you know, and then into this. So yeah, his, his loyalties are divided down the middle and he has to, you know, he has to follow his heart and be with his people. And leaves the Enterprise, and they give him they give him a nice standing send off. Uh, I always love it how you know we talked earlier in the season that Gates McFadden, Doctor Crusher, was pregnant for the large bulk of season four, and this was as they're all saying their goodbyes. You see her from the back, like mid back up, and then as they pan back over, you see her just from the neck up, practically. So can't see the big preggers battle belly. I I thought that I don't know. It always makes me chuckle. So yeah, uh, working around, yeah. So what'd you think? Was it was this a good a good send off? Did you? feel even though the the cliffhanger had some stakes it wasn't really like oh my god what's going to happen now or you know what do you think um i think that this episode did it did it was enough of a cliffhanger that uh it would have made people be like oh no yeah right (laughs) Um, Ah. especially with the reveal at the end Um, yeah so because like wharf leaving like that's a oh no what's going on yeah right Um, like you know this is another this this is one of the first other than him wearing the uniform with uh, Kalar, this is one of yeah. the times that like Worf has worn the Klingon uniform and left the Enterprise. Right. Um, he does that later, especially in Deep Space Nine. They do that semi-regularly. Yeah, because um, he just like, well, I'm going to go do a Klingon thing, so let me just change my clothes. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it becomes definitely a little bit more interchangeable. So Yeah, but like, um, it, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of Klingon politics, which is, you know, I always enjoy the inner workings of the Klingon empire and how the right. Klingons work. Gowron's one of my favorite characters. I know that he kind of gets sleazeballified a bit later, but I like. Right. At this, yeah. At this time um, he was kind of the, the best of what was around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So of your, yeah. Of your Klingon options. This was, this was the one that yeah. worked. And then of course, at the very <laughs> end, we get our reveal of uh, Sila. Yes, like, exactly. Face, which is just, it's just yeah. a really cool thing, you know, how, and then spoilers, you hear like why that's a thing later, but it's just really interesting how, you know, Sila comes back with Denise. Crosby yeah. and, well, actually this isn't coming back. This, well, I guess it's back. Cause we did hear her voice in as we said, right. right. Yeah, exactly. But this is the first time you, you see who it is. Right. Um, right. Still yeah, think it's a missed is- opportunity not having her in nemesis, but you know, there it is. Right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, I know that would have been that would have been really powerful. I totally agree. Uh, we do also get in this episode the classic, if you want to 
quit Starfleet, you just have to throw your badge at somebody. Um, and then if yep. you want to come back, you just have to say, I want to come back. And it's like, okay. I mean, real militaries don't work like that at all, um, which mm-hmm. is proof that this is a TV show. Yeah, no, if you're in the military and you're like, I want to quit, they're like, and we want to send you to the stockade. Enjoy. You know, your brother uh, in the army, I don't think if you would say, well, I'm all set. I'm going to go now. They would have locked his ass up. <laughs> yeah, that's really, generally how it works. Yeah, yeah it, just, it just doesn't work that way. So, all right. So that is the end of season four um let's go through and just and again i know you're not totally prepared but your your not your, your knowledge game is quite strong uh looking over the season in general um not specifically just from this segment um let's grab a favorite and a least favorite so we're doing ju- this segment or just or we'll do, you know what? We'll, do, we'll do both i think that's how we've done when that's we how we've been doing it before. yeah um, so let's let's grab a favorite and least favorite from this segment and then expand it onto the season yeah uh, one second. I need to get the list of the episodes in front of me just so that I can see the, the whole season. Um, if it'll let me. Yeah. One second. Um, but my favorite one out of this season would have to be, um, probably the drumhead. Um, I'm tempted to go to redemption part one, but because it's not the full thing. Yeah. Um, it does have Gauron, um, but it, yeah, it's not the full story. Um, so I think that for me, the uh, it's going to be Drumhead for my gotcha. favorite episode. Least yeah. favorite episode is probably going to be in theory. Just I didn't really. Like I mean, a lot of it. that's but, yeah, that's an easy one without a doubt. Um, yeah, just yeah, Duffer and Duffer. Um, okay. Looking at the season as a whole, I think we can find a worse episode. But as far as a better episode, it's tough because that first that first you know quarter of the season was just a powerhouse, just boom, 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 with strong episodes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all right, a lot of really good episodes in here. Yeah, um, I think if I had to pick a worst one, um, it might be. Um, I know we super picked on it when it was a thing, um, but the loss, I just really hated that episode. It was, I mean, uh, that versus uh, what the hell was the other one with the, the night terrors, I think is, I, I, I feel like, oh, is, yeah, is my yeah, word. It's, it's, it's one of those two. Yeah. But um, as far as, a, as far as a best episode, I mean, you know, you're looking between family and brothers and uh, reunion, um, yeah, there's like so all, many good all of the, the heavy episodes that focus on family and those kind of relationships mm-hmm. um, make it really, really tough. So, all right. Well, cool. Well, uh, we'll wrap on that. So that is season four of Star Trek The Next Generation in our next segment, Deep Space Nine. Season four, the beginning of interesting. We're ending with the strong wharf episode and DS nine season four starts with wharf joining that cast and just a, a crazy, you know, mm-hmm. cause that entire season is about Klingon stuff. So, uh, yep. good, very fitting. So, well, cool. Uh, friends, as always, thank you for joining us, Peter. Where do people find you out there? Uh, you can find me around the interwebs at Petrus Aquinas. You can also find me on ELH's uh, YouTube or Twitch channel 
where I will be taking over running a Tuesday night uh, Star Trek Adventures game. Ooh, look at you moving up in the world. I love it. And of course, uh, you will see all of us uh, at Grand Rapids Comic Con upcoming in November 3rd through 5th here in Grand Rapids uh, with the USS Grand Petoskey. That is the chapter of uh, the International Star Trek Fan Club that is run by my wife, April, and myself. Peter is our chief engineer and game master. Um, if you are a trekker within the sound of my voice, uh, if you Google either Region 13 or USS Grand Petoskey, you can get in touch with us. Uh, I run Region 13, which encompasses Michigan and Eastern Canada. We're always on the grow. I uh, would love to have you on board for the ride. Uh, you can also find me out on Twitter slash X at the C3. I'm also trying to stay a little bit more consistent uh, over on Instagram where I am C3 Carpenter. Just go ahead and spell it out. And on threads as well. I keep saying that because my partner Pat, Todd keeps talking it up, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. So I'll keep trying. Uh, but at any rate, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.